You guys ready for the message today? Yes. If, um, if you guys were not with us uh, last week, you guys can go back, check it out on our, on our awesome app, uh, or go online and check it out. Uh, but if you're here today and you think, I haven't checked out last week and I wasn't here, and this is your first time in a church or at Grace Church, you found yourself in a really, really good place. You got some amazing people around you. Uh, so, so thankful that you guys took some sort of invitation to come in because we know sometimes it can be a little bit scary coming inside a church, but this place is amazing. This is a place to be. It's a place to be. So um, without further, yes, without further ado, go ahead and grab your Bibles. I want you guys to travel over to Nehemiah. It's, uh, it's in the Old Testament. Uh, you can like hang out with Psalms, like hang out with Psalms. It's a big book. Find that one. And then just rewind it ever so slightly. You'll find Nehemiah. Go to Nehemiah chapter 8. Uh, make your way there, and then I want to I want to set our time up for uh, for diving into that particular chapter. Um, so rhythm and light, rhythm and light. It's the idea that we're going to be uh, really speaking on for the next few weeks. That we just wanted to make some space in our calendar to to speak to our people about really a topic that's on God's heart, and uh, and it's this idea that we need to give to other people what it is that God has first given us. So you just got to ask your qu- question: Has God given you anything? Has he given you grace? Has he given you life? Has he given you truth? Has he given you breath? Has he woken you up this morning? Has he given you health? Anything that you possess, it says is a good gift down from heaven. If you've received anything, you are ready and prepared to give that away. But too, too often we become really, really good consumers and then we just get and we get and we get and we get. We receive, we receive, we receive, and then we just keep and we keep and we keep and we keep. And then we just become hoarders, and we, we not only store up things in our garage, we store up things in our hearts and our souls, and it's just dangerous. And until we start to give it out, we can't really see the full cycle of life take root. Come on, somebody. We can't really see the full cycle of grace take root in our lives until we start giving what it is that God has given us. And it actually puts some ownership on it. The things that you give away, you actually really start to see the value of them. And when you hold on to them, you think that they're valuable. When you hold on to things, you think that you can own them. When you hold on to things, you think that you have it, but really it owns you. And it's not until you start giving it away until you see that's what it was made for. That's where it's supposed to be. That's where it's supposed to rest and be still. So we are kind of gathering around this idea. So if you missed last week, uh, we really talked about this idea, Matthew 28. This is what it says, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Don't worry, because God says, I'm going to be with you. I love this commandment because it comes right attached to um, the very last words inside of Matthew 28. Jesus says, go to Christians, go to the church, go to you, go to the followers of Jesus and make disciples. Make disciples of all nations. Don't stop and think it's us versus them. Everybody's in on this amazing, glorious plan. Go make disciples. And how you do it is this right here. Teach them to observe everything that I've commanded you. Teach them. Who's them? It's the ones in your city. It's every single people group. It's, it's amazing that you can look across Grace Church and see the ethnicity, but it's also found inside of our city. Go and give. Teach them what I have commanded you. We talked about that last week because that is who we are. We are called to be lights to go out in a very dark world. And so what I want to talk to you today about is, uh, is about platforms, 
platforms. I want to I use the idea of platforms to, to be able to, to find out where we're supposed to be giving what it is that we have first received from God. What is your platform? What is your platform? Platform is probably not a, a new word. It's not just one that's found inside scripture. It's not one just found inside the church. This is all over the place. You are, or you are maybe building your platform at work. Maybe you're seeing other people's platforms blow up. No matter what it is, th- today's day and age, everybody wants a platform. And that's just because God has designed it because he's already given you a platform. And so when we look at platforms, we, we look at the idea that that is the very place that you're supposed to be giving what God has first given you. And I want to introduce this topic to you in Nehemiah chapter 8. I remember years ago, it was probably two, maybe three years ago, my wife and I, we were, um, we were reading a book together, and I would read a little bit, and we would talk about it, and she would read a little bit, and we would talk about it. And we were, I remember at, like vividly, like it was yesterday, we were out in our sunroom and uh, looking over Italy. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> And, um, and uh, we were reading this, uh, this particular book, and, and the chapter or the, the, the particular book was not about Nehemiah 8, but it just mentioned Nehemiah 8, verse 4, one time, just one time. It just kind of breezed over it, but I just had to stop. And I remember afterwards, I picked up the book, read it over and over and over again. I went to the, to, to the Word, and I just opened up Nehemiah 8, and I said, I don't know why. I've never seen this before, and it's hitting me in a new way, and I, I want to give it to you because it's always been one of those convictions and beliefs that I've always really just held close to my heart and, and operated in that and given it out and, and shared this with people, but now I just I want to share it with you so that we can actually be all on the same page. You guys ready for this? All right, so Nehemiah 8, uh, uh, I need to give you some context before we just like dive right in. Because Nehemiah, you may not be familiar with, and in chapter 8, you may not be familiar with. Nehemiah was a good man. He was a royal dude. He was a cupbearer. He's like second to the king. He would drink everything before the king did. He would eat things before the king ate it to make sure he wasn't getting poisoned. But not only that, he was this trusted confidant. So he was living it up. Come on, eating the king's food and being in the king's palace, you know that was made for Luxuryville. And so that was Nehemiah. Until one day, his brother and some friends, maybe some family members came back to him and they just asked the question, hey, you guys had a long stint back from Jerusalem. How's the city? And they said, it's not good. It's not good at all, actually. And that moment right there struck Nehemiah. And he says, I got to get out of this palace and I got to go do something. Sometimes the very thing that God's asking you to get involved in is the dirtiest. Sometimes the very thing that God's inviting you to be involved in so that it can change is the most destructive. It's not in good shape. It's not where it should be. Now you think the invitation that God gives you is excellent. It's a red carpet. It's, it's going to be nice and tidy. Hey, I want you to go this way. But sometimes it's a burden that allows you to get involved. It's a frustration that actually moves you to the point where you just can't take it anymore. Something's got to change. And then you actually do something about it. And that's exactly what happened with Nehemiah. He says, we need to go and to rebuild the city. We need to rebuild the walls. Come on, let's go get involved with this particular city, he had a heart for it. He wept and he cried and he fasted. He didn't eat for days. And then so he did. He went out there and, and started to repair, repair the walls and get involved in the city and, and gather some other people up. And then all of a sudden he's looking around. The systems were going well and the, the building and the city and everything else was actually being rebuilt. But then all of a sudden you just start looking and you, and you see 
division inside the family. How many of you know that'll mess things up quickly? And then not only that, there was opposition outside the walls. There was other people groups kind of come in and trying to kill and stop the things that they were trying to do. Hey, we don't want you to build the walls. We don't want you to have that kind of marriage. We don't want you to have that kind of work. We don't want you to have that kind of faith. So we're going to go destroy it. How many of you know that there's an enemy outside there too? Come on, somebody. Nehemiah's story is not just set in stone in history. It is your story. So he's opposition from outside the walls, division inside the walls. Come on, this guy can't get a break. Anybody ever feel like that? I just want to go home to get some peace. A peace isn't at home. And then you're like, I just need to get out of here. I'm going to work long hours. Well, it's not there either. You know, God's just shutting the door. He's saying, hey, listen, the only place that you can be is inside the presence of God. And you need to bring that to your work and bring that to your life inside your family so that things can start to change. And so that's exactly what happened. He started to just say, hey, you know what? We need, we need some, some God, some Jesus to come in here. So then he called on his friend Ezra. And he, he said this. He said, Ezra, go get the book. Come on, you know things are about to change. When, when someone says to you, our marriage is not where it should be, our family is not where it should be, go get the book. Because we need to start living like this and not like the way we were. All right, check it out. Nehemiah chapter 8. And all the people gathered as one man into the square before the water gate. And they told Ezra the scribe. I want you to read this with me. They told Ezra the scribe, bring the book. Come on, say it with me. Bring the book. Whatever the issue is in your life, you just got to say, bring the book. Come on, whatever it is in your work, bring the book. And it doesn't need to be the physical binding that you bring in. You just tuck this sucker away down in your soul and you just let it go out when you have conversations and you love and you serve on people. Bring the book. That's it. That's my message. See you guys. It could be. I mean, it could be. But anyway, so Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, both men and women, and all who stood there understand, and they heard. The first day of the seventh month it was. Verse number three, he read it facing the square before the water gate early in the morning until midday. Now that's a good message. Early in the morning until midday. Early in the morning until midday. You think I preach long. Early in the morning until midday. I'm glad you guys didn't laugh at that. That is just so encouraging. That is a, in the presence of men and women, those who could understand, the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. How many of you know that you can hear something and there's a difference between actually understanding it? Let our ears be attentive to what God's saying. The ears of the people were attentive. They were attentive. Now, this is the verse right here. This is the verse that a few years ago just hit me. Verse four. And then it says, Ezra the scribe, the one that Nehemiah went and got, Ezra the scribe stood on the wooden platform that they had made for this purpose. He stood on the wooden platform. Come on, do you just feel the, the purpose in that? He stood on the wooden platform that was made for this purpose. Now, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this idea down that I got uh, inside of Nehemiah 8, but also resolves inside of your life. The platform is made for you, but you were made for the platform. Come on, somebody. The, the platform God has literally built up and made just for you. 
The position that you hold at work is made just for you. It's been waiting, just like Esther, for such a time as this. God's timing is perfect. People have held that position in the past. People may hold that position in the future, but right now you hold it and there's a purpose for that. God spoke it into creation way before anything else was gonna be. And he says, this role, this position description, that spot on the team, that place right here, that is made for you. But not only that, separate from that, God is making you. He is building you up. Come on, somebody. You know that everything has to do with your past really gives you a, a good light to know what you're involved in for the future. God is making you. He is piecing you together. All the bad he can turn into good. All the mourning into dancing. All the dead areas of your life, he can bring life back again. Come on. All the dry bones he can breathe into again. He is making you. He is making you. But look at this. You are made for the platform, but the platform was made for you. Come on, you got you to understand that this idea is the very nature of God. He has set you up. He has set you up. But the enemy may have his way in there too. Some of your greatest attacks are gonna happen at work. Some of the greatest division may happen inside the home because that's where the greatest grace and blessing and favor wants to come and the enemy knows it. Are you discouraged when you go to work? That's because it's your calling and you're missing it. Every single day you go just to pick up a paycheck. That's because whenever you go home and you just wanna find some peace, you just gotta ask the question, how much investment of peace have you actually given that family to reap the peace that you so want? Because sometimes the greatest division and the heartache and the burden and the weights and the shambles is just because God wants you to get involved. He wants you to get involved like Nehemiah did. He wants to break your heart. Because the condition of your family, the condition of your marriage, the condition of your work environment is not the way it's supposed to be. And how is he gonna get you involved if he doesn't break your heart like his heart breaks? That's not the way it's supposed to be. I don't want you speaking death over people. I don't want you going in there feeling like there's no peace. I don't want you going to work like there's no purpose because there is. That's why I've made you. I've made you for the platform. And the platform was made for you. And when those two come together and we realize I have been made new and this thing was made for me, then you start walking in that, start serving people and you start allowing what God's doing in you to be distributed through you. God, you have given me so much and this platform that you made for me, I'm gonna use it to tell stories about you and teach other people about you. Now, here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that you should get a soapbox at your work and go preach. Please don't. For the love of everybody, don't. We don't even do that on Sunday. We don't don't preach. It's not a you and us. Come on, somebody. It's it's we. It's it's never a separation. It's all I want is, is to share with you as our family what God's doing in my life personally. And this is it. It's never a distant topic. It's never a, you guys are messed up. You need to do this, this, and this. All right, see you later. You know, it comes with love because I know God's given me a little bit of love that I just don't deserve. And I want to give that to you. 
And so we need to learn relationally what that platform really looks like so that we can distribute appropriately. And when we walk through that together, there's a a natural conversation that happens with the relationships. That's what your platform is made for. If you're trying to figure out what your platform is, it's your job, it's your role at home. If you're a father, that's part of your platform. If you're a mother, that's part of your platform. If you're a son or a daughter, that's part of your platform. If you have a particular role at work, that role right there is so unique and it's uniquely made for you. And until you figure that out, you're just gonna be walking aimlessly. But when you realize that thing was made for you and you were made for it and your job right now, you may not hold it for the rest of your life, but your job right now is positioned and given to you by God and you realize that you were made for for this particular moment so that you can actually just go and work and build excellence, love on people, speak life, change the culture, be a light into dark place, be an example, then things will start to change. You'll start to see, and you, you can actually start to receive what it is that you've been pouring back in. You know, it's the old adage, be the change that you wanna see. And that's, That's easily said because we can look out our city, we can look in our nation and say, gosh, you know, something needs to shift. Something needs to change. I mean, come on, let's just, let's all be on the same page and just realize we are all about some change, right? We're good with change. Yes, we want change. Yes, we need it. But but when was the last time you actually got involved in change? That's difficult. From a distance, we want it. Our work environment, yep, needs to change. My boss needs to change, you know. My marriage needs to change. Family needs to, my schedule needs to change. I mean, all that, we just just know on on the forefront, the horizon of our life, if we were just to project it in front of us, yes, some things need to change. But God is saying, because I've put the spirit of God inside of you, I have never given you a spirit of timidity. I want you to get involved. I want you to take the step that everybody else is waiting on because that's what Christianity really looks like. We talk about Christianity like it's, it's a passive, uh, humble, meek lifestyle. It's not. Being humble and meek is actually going about doing the things that you're called to do and not sitting on the sidelines. I, I connotate Christianity and leadership to be one and the same. Because if you're a Christian, you're supposed to change your environment and allow God to change you. And that's what we're talking about when our platform. And see, let me, let me just make a, a difference between the two because when we talk about leadership, I know that the, there's a world's view of leadership. Leadership, whenever it comes to the world, is that you build your platform, you build your calling, you build your followers, and then you make sure that they, the followers, do what you want to do. It's your agenda. Leadership is, is lording it over them. But that's not at all the design for God. He says, I want you to be in leadership. I want people to follow you because I want there to be an example to see. We're visual learners. I want to be able to see from my boss, the person who's leading me, a lifestyle at home and also at work. Come on, somebody catching this? And God says, I've designed leadership not to lord it over people, but to lead to actually serve people, to get underneath them, to allow your heart to break for your people, your employees, your kids, your coworkers, so that you can invest in them, believe more for their life than they believe for theirs. And then all of a sudden you start lifting them up and building them, speaking life and giving them direction and giving them hope and giving them purpose. Then what's gonna happen is they live up to the words that you're speaking to them. 
And then you can see, you can see people start to awaken, come alive, to actually do what they're called to do. And that's what Nehemiah says, listen, there's a platform. There's a platform that, that you were made for, and that platform was made just for you. Now, when we look at this, we, we got to know, those are some grandeur plans, right? Changing the atmosphere of your, of your city and, and changing the home. I mean, come on, that's sort of a big deal. And it's great to have big dreams and the big hopes, but realistically, we just can't do it. And, and I'll, I know, I agree with you. You, you, can't, you can't change the entire city. You can't change the nation. You can't change the government. You can't change the educational system or the, the, me, the, the medical or anything else. You can't, you can't change that. But what you can change is what you're involved in inside of your city. You can change that. And when we talk about our city, we talk about our place of influence. And I want to give you some practical ideas. So we're hanging out in, in Nehemiah chapter 8. I want you to rewind ever so slightly. I want you to go back to Nehemiah chapter 3. Nehemiah chapter 3 gives us some practical looks, not necessarily just about Nehemiah, but about you and how you're supposed to walk out this idea of change. Nehemiah chapter 3, the, uh, the entire chapter is actually labeled rebuilding of the wall. It's the rebuilding of of the wall. And it goes through with some consistent things, uh, like the word rebuild or repair is there uh, at least 35 times. That's pretty consistent. 35 times he said, we're going to rebuild or repair. And then he goes on to say that, hey, we're going to do, um, we're going to do doors. And this is how it's going to have, uh, we're going to lay its beams, set its doors and its bolts and its bars. And it goes again, beams, doors, bolts, bars, beams, doors, bolts, Sounds like a song. Come on, you ca can you catch in the rhythm? Yes, everybody. Beams, bolt, no, come on now. You see that all the way through chapter three. It's like a song. If you, if you begin to uh, uh, have your rapping career, uh, Nehemiah chapter three would be a really good place to start. You just get a little bit of consistency. Get your cadence. You know, you're like, what are you talking about? Stay with me. <clears throat> and then it comes to verse 23. Here's some other consistencies about giving what we first received. And this is what it says. After these guys over here, Benjamin and Hashab, what did they do? They repaired the gates opposite their house. They repaired opposite their house. Now, I love this because then you go down to verse 28. And what does it say? Very similar. Okay, so in this section over here, it was uh, called the horse gate. Over there on that gate, the priest, different type of people, they repaired opposite their house. So, so get this, uh, Nehemiah is, is here and he gathers up thousands of people. And how are we gonna go affect change? The vision is the same. We're gonna rebuild the walls of this entire, of entire place. Jerusalem is in shambles, we're gonna repair that. But how do you give direction to thousands of people so that we can actually walk this out? Nehemiah says, it's this simple, wherever you live. Okay, check, I got that. Walk outside of your home. Do you see the broken wall? Yes, check. Repair that. Just, just repair that. But what about my neighbors? No, no, no. Walk outside of your home and repair that. But down the street, it's, no, no, no. Walk outside of your home and repair the wall. I want, I want this section over here, this section over here. Walk outside of your home and repair that wall. This section over here, walk out. Where do you live? Oh, you live here? Walk outside of your home, repair that wall. Walk outside of your home, 
repair that wall. Do you see the consistency? Who appreciates God's faithfulness? The fact that he is consistent yesterday, today, and forevermore. You don't have to guess with his plan. What's today? Oh, he's still good. But what's today? He's still good. But what, what's today? Is he going to forgive my sins today? Still forgiven. What about today? Is God's grace going to be sufficient today? Absolutely. And you go day to day to day, and you see the consistency. Now, God actually gives some consistency and faithfulness in how you see restoration of an entire city. He says, here's what I want you to do. Wherever you're geographically located, wherever your decentralized city is, wherever you get coffee, wherever you go to work, wherever you live in your home, wherever you spend your spare time, I want you to go out there, look at the people that are right in front of you, that you actually know their name, and I want you to love on them. I want you to go outside of your comfort zone and just see the people that are right in front of you. I don't want you to help everybody. God is saying, I don't want you to help everyone. I don't want you to change the city. I just want you to, I want you to invest in the ones that are right in front of you. Come on, you catching this? I want you to go outside of your gates, your doors. I want you to go outside of your place and realize that this is your city. And until your heart starts to break for your employees and, and your coworkers and your family, God's going to start to get a hold of what is everything around you. Imagine the change that you would see in your city if God first started to change your perspective. So that we can actually see there's an opportunity where I can invest in somebody. There's an opportunity where I can love on some people. There's an opportunity that I can actually see some change take place. That's exactly what happened whenever Nehemiah, he started looking around and he had division inside of the city. He had opposition outside the city. And he says, we need to get the book. Because what God gives you, personally, what God gives you, I want you to start giving away. Matthew 28 says, whatever you have received, what I want you to do is give that away and use the platform that was made for you and you were made for it to distribute all of my goodness. My people need to know how awesome I really am, how I'm still alive, how I'm still over everything. I'm still sovereign. I still wrote a book and it's alive and active. And I want to breathe life into my people again. And I may just use a broken mouthpiece like you and me to do it. You just got to be willing, willing, fully surrendered, willing just to say, okay, God, I've had enough. I want the change to start right here in front of me. So I'm going to walk out of my place of influence and I'm going to invest and love on the people that are right in front of me. I can't do everything. You can't change the entire city, but you can make a difference inside of your place of influence. In Jesus' name.